Welcome to the mountain. Hey, this is Brett back here again to help inspire you to connect with nature for mindfulness and personal transformation. Naturally. Great to have you here for another Walden Wednesday. Here on a Friday today due to technical issues, but it's all good. The flip side is, every day can be a Walden day, thanks to technology. You can listen and absorb anytime you like and enjoy these passages from classics like Thoreau's Walden and others, highlighting the beauty, the wisdom, and simplicity of the natural world, found in the writings of some of the most influential thinkers, writers, philosophers, and poets of our past. It's all about intentionally carving a few moments out of your day in a relaxing nature setting, in an effort to affect the quality of our lives. We do this by slowing the heart and mind down enough to absorb the thoughts, ideas, philosophies, and writings of naturalists and appreciators of nature like Emerson, Whitman, and Thoreau. And then at the end, we give you a little time to just be and settle into a deeper state of awareness as you go through your day, fully awake, fully present, alive, and intentionally growing into the person you desire to become. In today's reading, we visit with Henry Thoreau by a stream near Walden Pond and ponder the question, how can I simplify my life to the point that I am awake and mindfully aware each and every moment of my day to a perpetual morning? And what would that look like? So now, I invite you to close your eyes, take a deep breath, and enjoy a passage taken from the classic, Walden, or Life in the Woods, by Henry David Thoreau. This reading is from the chapter, Where I Lived, and What I Lived For. Every morning was a cheerful invitation to make my life of equal simplicity, and I may say, innocence, with nature herself. I have been as sincere a worshipper of Aurora as the Greeks. I got up early and bathed in the pond. That was a religious exercise, and one of the best things which I did. They say that characters were engraven on the bathtub of King Ching Thang to this effect. Renew thyself completely each day. Do it again and again and forever again. I can understand that. Morning brings back the heroic ages. I was as much affected by the faint hum of a mosquito making its invisible and unimaginable tour through my apartment at earliest dawn, when I was sitting with door and windows open, as I could be by any trumpet that ever sang of fame. It was Homer's Requiem, itself an Iliad and Odyssey in the air, singing its own wrath and wanderings. There was something cosmical about it, a standing advertisement, till forbidden, of the everlasting vigor and fertility of the world. The morning, which is the most memorable season of the day, is the awakening hour. Then there is least somnolence in us, and for an hour at least some part of us awakes, which slumbers all the rest of the day and night. Little is to be expected of that day, if it can be called a day, to which we are not awakened by our genius. But, by the mechanical nudgings of some servitor, are not awakened by our own newly acquired force and aspirations from within, accompanied by the undulations of celestial music, instead of factory bells, 
and a fragrance filling the air, to a higher life than we fell asleep from. And thus the darkness bear its fruit, and prove itself to be good no less than the light. That man who does not believe that each day contains an earlier, more sacred, and auroral hour than he has yet profaned, has despaired of life, and is pursuing a descending and darkening way. After a partial cessation of his sensuous life, the soul of man, or its organs rather, are reinvigorated each day, and his genius tries again what noble life it can make. All memorable events, I should say, transpire in morning time and in a morning atmosphere. The Vedas say all intelligences awake with the morning. Poetry and art, and the fairest and most memorable of the actions of men, date from such an hour. All poets and heroes, like Memnon, are the children of Aurora and emit their music at sunrise. To him whose elastic and vigorous thought keeps pace with the sun, the day is a perpetual morning. It matters not what the clocks say or the attitudes and labors of men. Morning is when I am awake and there is a dawn in me. Moral reform is the effort to throw off sleep. Why is it that men give so poor an account of their day if they have not been slumbering? They are not such poor calculators. If they had not become overcome with drowsiness, they would have performed something. The millions are awake enough for physical labor, but only one in a million is awake enough for effective intellectual exertion. Only one in a hundred millions to a poetic or divine life. To be awake is to be alive. I have never yet met a man who was quite awake. How could I have looked him in the face? We must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake, not by mechanical aids, but by an infinite expectation of the dawn, which does not forsake us in our soundest sleep. I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of man to elevate his life by a conscious endeavor. It is something to be able to paint a particular picture or to carve a statue and so to make a few objects beautiful but it is far more glorious to carve and paint the very atmosphere and medium through which we look, which morally we can do. To affect the quality of the day, that is the highest of arts. Every man is tasked to make his life, even in its details, worthy of the contemplation of his most elevated and critical hour. If we refused, or rather used up such paltry information as we get, the oracles would distinctly inform us how this might be done. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear nor did I wish to practice resignation, unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life, to live so sturdily and spartan-like as to put to rout all that was not life, to cut a broad swath and shave close, to drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms, and, if it proved to be mean, why then, to get the whole and genuine meanness of it and publish its meanness to the world. Or, if it were sublime, to know it by experience and be able to give a true account of it in my next excursion. 
For most men, it appears to me, are in a strange uncertainty about it, whether it is of the devil or of God, and have somewhat hastily concluded that it is the chief end of man here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Still, we live meanly, like ants, though the fable tells us that we were long ago changed into men. Like pygmies we fight with cranes. It is error upon error and clout upon clout, and our best virtue has for its occasion a superfluous and evitable wretchedness. Our life is frittered away by detail. Oh, to live in a perpetual morning and not allow our lives to be frittered away by detail. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that reading as much as I did today. Thank you for visiting us at Walden. I've said it before, but I love the fact that as we unite our hearts, our minds and souls on fully growing into our intended purpose, the world becomes what it was meant to be. Always remember this, life is a gift, nature's a gift, and you, are a gift back to the world. Live well, my friend. We'll see you back here on Monday.